From the Heart.org Radio, this is The Fellow's Corner. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Heart.org's Fellow's Corner. My name is Raul Kakar. I'm a cardiology fellow at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, and I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Dr. James Januzzi, Associate Professor at Harvard Medical School and Staff Physician in the Division of Cardiology at Massachusetts General Hospital as well. Dr. Januzzi, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Rahul. We'd like to speak a little bit about this emerging field of biomarker medicine, specifically as pertains to cardiology and heart failure management. Uh, Dr. Janusi has been instrumental in uh, recent publications looking at the clinical evaluation and validation of uh, biomarkers that are used routinely in clinical practice today, uh, specifically uh, as pertains to anti-pro BNP or N-terminal pro-BNP, as well as an emerging biomarker, ST2, which appears to be active um, in the ventricle during times of uh, pressure overload. Uh, speaking specifically about this field, Dr. Januzzi, where do you see the role for biomarkers such as NT-pro-BNP in the future of heart failure diagnosis and management? Well, Rahul, you know, we're really at an interesting time with respect to biomarkers in general in cardiology, which is to say that we're now starting to tentatively look at uh, patients in a more biological manner rather than necessarily just using these markers for simple uh, yes or no decision-making steps such as use of natriuretic peptides for diagnosis. We're really at a point now where we're recognizing that whether it's NT-pro-BNP, BNP, or other emerging types of biomarkers for heart failure or other cardiovascular disease state evaluation to be potentially applicable not just for the diagnosis or exclusion of diseases like heart failure, but in particular to gauge the severity, the stability, and prognosis of these disease states such that we might be able to uh, apply them to better manage patients. And so, you know, we're really starting to look beyond their simple use as a diagnostic tool for heart failure. And to that point, as you mentioned, this field moving away from simple diagnosis and prognosis, but actually being a tool that we can use in the clinic as in the hospital on a more regular basis, uh, studies to date, specifically the Primus study, which was presented at the ACC this year, 2009, there has been some disappointing results in terms of using NT-pro-BNP to guide pharmacotherapy. Certainly, uh, we see that NT-pro-BNP, when lowered, um, does cor- correlate with um, a better prognosis, but physical ways of doing that with pharmacotherapy are a bit elusive. Perhaps you could comment. Sure. So I think the best way to frame the response to your question is to briefly review what we know and what we don't know about the use of these markers, both for acute heart failure and chronic heart failure. And, you know, simply put, it is well established, thanks to the work done by a number of investigators in the field, that these markers are very valuable for identifying or excluding both acute and chronic heart failure in the emergency department setting as well as in the office. So we know that they're useful for identifying the presence of the cardiovascular disarray that accompanies the syndrome of heart failure. Okay, so, so we know that, and we also well recognize that irrespective of our perception of disease severity, whether it's acute heart failure as demonstrated by Alan Mizell in the Red Hot study, or in chronic heart failure as demonstrated by a number of investigators, natriuretic peptides allow us to have a, a gauge of heart failure severity and by proxy prognosis in patients that is above and beyond what we can tell clinically at the bedside. So, so we can accept that 
these markers tell us something about prognosis irrespective of what our necessarily preconceived notions about a patient's prognosis may be. And that's actually important because we have now a marker that tells us about diagnosis. We have a marker that tells us about prognosis. But the million-dollar question is, can you do anything about that prognosis using this biomarker or a marker like it? What we know as well about this question is that when heart failure therapies are applied and are successfully applied, which is to say that if a patient is put on a beta blocker, for instance, and they have a favorable response to that beta blocker, their NT-proBNP or BNP falls. So trends in natriuretic peptides are powerfully predictive of outcomes, and response to therapy, whether it's beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, cardiac resynchronization therapy, even diuretics, when we see a biomarker response to therapy, we see a better prognosis. But the million-dollar question is, should we be using these biomarkers, these blood tests, as an objective tool to guide therapy? And now you mentioned the PRIMA study, which was a multi-center randomized trial uh, performed in the Netherlands by my colleague and friend, uh, Egal Pinto. PRIMA was a prospective trial where patients were randomized to chronic heart failure management guided by a goal NT-proBNP value that was determined two weeks after discharge from the hospital. In this trial, patients included uh, were, were, of, uh, were those who suffered from heart failure of all forms, systolic and non-systolic. And patients were treated to an individualized goal NT-proBNP value, which, as I said, was essentially determined by the two-week post-discharge value. And the weakness of this approach, I think, is, number one, what we see in patients, because we do very similar work here at Mass General, what we see in patients at the two-week mark after discharge is a biomarker concentration that is dramatically higher than what can be achieved. So if you, out of the, out of the gate, accept that a person's NT-proBNP at two weeks post-discharge is an acceptable target, it is highly likely that those patients were undertreated. Supporting this contention, if you look at the titration of medications in the PRIMA study, the only med that was changed statistically significantly more than any other were diuretics. And we well recognize that diuretics do not reduce mortality in chronic heart failure. So that's the first problem. The second problem is non-systolic heart failure, for all the fellows who are listening in on this, remains entirely a black box with respect to how we manage these patients because we have yet to have a trial in a prospective fashion to show us that any drug therapy that we have applied, whether it's ACE inhibitors, ARBs, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, reduce mortality or morbidity in this diagnostic category. And that's because non-systolic heart failure is a wide range of disease states ranging from patients with heart muscle disease to patients with atrial fibrillation. And so a biomarker-guided approach, titrating medicines that have never been proven to be of benefit in this category of patients, is probably bound to fail. So when you take a step back and look at the PRIMA study, I do not think it closes the door on biomarker-guided heart failure management, because what we really need is a trial where heart failure therapies of all kinds, not just diuretics, are titrated to very low concentrations of NT-proBNP or BNP in patients with chronic systolic heart failure. So for the fellows listening in, um, in terms of thinking 
for those who are interested in this field and moving forward, and I think you're, you're beginning to allude to this, what are the major holes in terms of our understanding, both from a scientific standpoint, but also from a clinical standpoint, where it really would require um, some significant uh, move forward in terms of our understanding? Where, where can the fellows jump into this field? So there are a number of areas that are ripe, low-hanging fruit for the picking. First point is that I would very clearly say to the fellows who are interested in this area that there are precious few data on the value of biomarker-guided acute heart failure management. So while we are focusing justifiably because it's a much bigger long-term problem on the outpatient side, there are few data supporting the use of biomarkers to manage acute heart failure. We have some data to suggest that a 30% fall during hospitalization during acute heart failure management is associated with a better outcome. The big question yet again is, if you have someone who you think is ready to go home and they haven't fallen by 30%, should you intensify their therapy before discharging them? Now, Rahul, you know that at MGH, I recommend that, but the question really stands whether that, you know, is a, 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 an approach that's going to be necessarily associated with better outcomes. Anecdotally, to me, it seems to work, but that's a, the kind of low-hanging fruit that a fellow could easily snatch because it's a, a common diagnosis in the hospital, and there's much interest in this area. Another area that I think would be very relevant from a biological perspective is understanding just what exactly, from a physiologic perspective, does lowering natriuretic peptides do to cardiac structure and function? We are doing a randomized prospective study ourselves here at Mass General called the PROTECT Heart Failure Study, PROTECT HF. And in this trial, we're essentially lowering NT-probian p-values in many patients as low as patients who don't even have heart failure. And we're echoing these patients pre and post this period of intensive heart failure management to get a better sense of whether, in point of fact, 